Well, it is good for us to be in worship here together this morning, uh, both here in the West Auditorium in Decatur, as well as the East Auditorium, and also greetings to our friends down in Lovington. Uh, if you're new with us, my name is Brian, one of the pastors here, and I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 4, uh, either in a Bible of your own or a smart device that has it, or there's some uh, Bibles provided for you in all these locations that you can use as well today to follow along. And as you turn there, I want to share with you a story I came across this past week about a first century rabbi by the name of Rabbi Akiva, who was uh, walking home at dusk one evening, and as he's walking, he gets lost in thought, and he passes by his uh, turn to get to his house and just continues to wander on, and he ends up uh, drifting into a Roman military-like outpost camp thing. And as he's wandering in, uh, one of the guards hears someone coming and says, who goes there? And, you know, Rabbi's kind of, you know, thrown off, realizing he's passed his turn and he's wandered into a place he probably shouldn't be. And uh, he hears the voice booming out again, who are you and what are you doing here? To which uh, Rabbi Akiva um, responds to him. He says, how much do they pay you to stand there and ask those questions? And the guard now realizing that, you know, it's, uh, Jewish rabbi and, and no threat, uh, responds to him, uh, they pay me five drachma a week to stand here and ask those questions. And Rabbi Akiva responds very interestingly. He says this to him. He says, I will double your pay if you will stand outside the door of my home each morning and ask me those two questions as I exit my home for the day. Who are you and what are you doing here? Important questions that we face in our life and arguably a question that we should be asking ourselves as we enter into every one of our days. Well, today what I want to share with you is how you can pose those two questions without having to pay or double anyone's pay. Uh, I don't even know if what a drachma is, but I don't have any to pay anyone. And so you don't, you don't need those to ask those two important questions of your life each day. Who are you? And what are you doing here? Uh, we've been in a series uh, where we've been preaching and looking through what does it look like for us to really answer those questions as a church? What does it look like for us uh, to be built up in Christ as a church, to answer the question who we are and what it is we are doing? And this idea of being built up, it comes from Colossians 2.6, where it says this, So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, Continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him. And so it's understanding that when we receive Jesus Christ, it's not just like a one and done deal to, and then it's a ticket and we just kind of, you know, have our ticket to heaven and we kind of wait in this awkward pause between when we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior and to when we see him again as, uh, you know, in heaven one day. It is, it is an ongoing being built up, or as we understand our church to exist, an ongoing developing of becoming devoted followers of Jesus Christ all the days of our life. And so we've been looking at how do we do that as a church? Uh, we recognize we do that in a number of ways, that we do that as we worship together right here, uh, as we sit together this morning and stand together and give worship to God. Uh, we do that uh, throughout the week as we grow and we serve together. Um, one, of the, one of the things we've understood it as, we, when we think about how we're making sure we're all being built up as a church, is um, some internal language, if you will. So we want to make sure that we're always giving attention, we will say, to uh, rows, circles, and chairs. 
This is the kind of things we always want to pay attention to as church. So we're making sure that we are gathering together in rows to worship God on a weekend basis, that between the weekends, between the Sundays, we are circling up, gathering in circles where we are either growing together or gathering up to serving together as we are being built up in him. And so we've got rows, circles. And then the third piece of that equation that we want to make sure that we're always giving attention to as individuals as a church is not just rows, not just circles, but how are we as individuals building up up our life in Christ through individual time, we could say in a chair, in a chair. And we're going to look at what this chair is all about here this morning. How do we, not just in rows, not just in circles, but individually take time in a chair to build up our relationship with Christ so that as a collection of individuals, we are thus a church that is built up in him, becoming fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look in the book of Luke as to how Jesus used, you could say metaphorically, a chair to be built up in his heavenly father uh, that we can then emulate and learn from and watch. And so we're going to flip through a few chapters of Luke here today, chapters four through six. And rather than look at any one verse of maybe what Jesus taught, I think that's a lot of the ways in which we will approach, um, you know, Jesus uh, teaching of us. We'll look, if you've got one of those fancy Bibles with the red letters, we see Jesus teaching in there and what he taught and what he had to say. And we can certainly learn a lot about what it means to be built up in him through what he taught. But we also, and what we're going to do today, we can also learn a lot as to how to be built up in Christ by watching how he lived. You could say watching and observing the rhythm of his life. And that's what we're going to do in chapters four through six. And so rather than look at just one verse, we're going to kind of flip quickly through uh, our passages today and just going to kind of invite your speed reading scannability skills to, to hopefully keep up. And so we'll go quick, but not so quick that we get a paper cut. So with that, Luke, Luke chapter four, uh, is preceded by, obviously, chapters one through three that give uh, the account of Jesus' birth and baptism. And then after his baptism, in Luke chapter four, uh, we have this account of, of Jesus' life. And uh, it starts off in chapter four saying that Jesus, he spends, it says, 40 days in the wilderness in solitude and prayer. 40 days. Uh, that's a pretty long retreat, you know, that's, that's a big retreat, which I guess you could say makes sense, a big personal retreat as Jesus really from there starts his ministry. And so follow with me in verse 14 of chapter four in Luke. After this big long retreat, 40 days in the wilderness in solitude and in prayer, it says that Jesus then returned to Galilee by the power of the spirit and he was teaching in synagogues and everyone praised him. And so Jesus gets right to work. He's teaching and preaching. Then in verse 31, uh, we see these accounts where he's casting out evil spirits. He's healing people of sickness. He's healing disease. And then scan down to Luke 4, 42. After all this ministry work, it says that Jesus, at daybreak, it says Jesus went out to a solitary place. Jesus went out to a solitary place. Uh, in the book of Mark, the same account says it this way. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. All right, and so from there, so we see Jesus taking some time pretty early in the morning to, to 
get to a solitary place and pray. And then verse 43 in Luke chapter four, it says that people come, they, he's gotten away and people come find him and they're looking for more healing, more um, you know, deliverance from these demons. And Jesus responds, instead of going to them for more healings, he says, actually, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns also because that is why I was sent. And so we see a hint here that Jesus is getting some clarity as to who he is and why he is on the planet from this time alone. Flip over to chapter five. Uh, If you scan through those lines, you see that Jesus is calling his first disciples. He's healing more people. Uh, And then in the midst of calling his disciples and teaching and preaching and healing, verse 16 of chapter five, it says this. It says, but again, Jesus often, he often withdrew to lonely places where he prayed. And then one more, chapter six, verse 12. We've got some more ministry happening between all that, and Luke states this. On one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the whole night praying to God. Okay, and so as we move through Jesus' life and ministry, we can, uh, again, we can learn a lot about what it means to be built up by reading the words and the teachings of Jesus, but we also can observe a lot about how to live in following Jesus by watching how he lived. And what we see in the ministry and the life of Jesus is that he had a consistent and constant rhythm of not just doing life, but also being connected to the source of life, his heavenly Father as really you could sum it up in the verse we looked at five, chapter five, verse 16, and that Jesus, he often, he regularly, he constantly, he consistently withdrew to lonely places, you could say the chair, where he prayed. And, you know, for some of us, as we look at this kind of alone time in prayer, you know, there's some language, if you've been around the church for any length of time, that some phrases that have been used, one, uh, popular phrase I think that I've probably heard since the day I became a Christian was this idea of making sure that we have, quote, a quiet time. Have you ever heard that phrase, a quiet time, uh, where you spend some time with you? You know, I'll be real honest, that phrase has always kind of not set well with me. I don't know if it's just because the amount of trouble I got in as a kid, but anytime I hear the word quiet time, it's like, honestly, I kind of feel like I'm in trouble with Jesus. Like, all right, well, since you misbehave, go serve your time out quiet time with Jesus in the corner. It just, I don't know, I don't, I don't feel like that really represents well what it is we're after. And so uh, I would like us to use maybe a, a, a richer word for this idea of getting alone with God in prayer. And that would be the word, kind of borrowing from the passage here, the idea of getting to a solitary place. The, it would be called the spiritual practice, the Christian practice of solitude. That that's our word that we want to lean into today. That this is the idea that Jesus practiced solitude. Now, a common use of that word in our day might just be an understanding of just getting alone. Like if you use the word solitude, you know, if you've got a bunch of kids or a bunch of people or a bunch of whatever, that you just need some solitude. You just need to get alone for a while. But Jesus gives us actually a much richer definition that goes beyond just this idea of just getting alone. What we see in Jesus in his practice of solitude is that he doesn't just get alone, but kind of this irony, he actually takes the time to get alone with God. He takes the time to get alone with his heavenly father. And so that's what we see Jesus modeling. He is often getting to these solitary places, Luke 5, 16, a place where he can pray. 
a place where he can communicate with God, talking with God, hearing from God, that we can too do that as well. We can talk with God and hear from God from hearing from his word in the scriptures and praying uh, to him and hearing from him as well. That we would all be, as individuals and then collectively as a church, Colossians 2.6, be built up in him. Okay, and so that's what we wanna look at. We wanna examine how did Jesus do this and how can we do this in our own lives? How can we incorporate solitude, this idea of getting alone from other people so that we can get alone with God? But before we, you could say, jump into some how-tos or what does this actually look like in your life, I think we have to start with the question that I would say if this isn't a practice in your life currently, if this isn't something that you regularly practice in your own life, then we have to start with, okay, well, why is it that I don't already have this practice in my life. And I think there's a few reasons why, uh, if you're here today and it's like, you know, I don't really do that, or I've never done that, or it's been a while since I've done that. Uh, there's a few reasons I think that, that we have, you could say, not done that or abandoned uh, this idea of spending time alone with God. Uh, just being real honest, I think for a lot of us, a big one is, uh, you know, honestly, it sounds like a good idea, getting alone and praying with God, but if we're just honest with ourselves, we really just feel like we don't know how. Like, we just don't know what to do when we're in that time or space. And I remember, I didn't grow up going to church, and so the first time I heard the idea of a quiet time, I, again, I was kind of thinking in my time out with Jesus or what. And so we, we don't know what to do. You know, we sit down, we find a chair, we think, okay, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to spend some time with God, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. And so let's, let's pray. So you're not sure if you do this or this or, or what, and you, and, and you start praying. You say, okay, God, um, you know, thank you for, you know, my house, Thank you for my family. Thank you for my job. Actually, I kind of hate my job. But I guess I should be thankful because it's a job. Um, Thank you for the dog. I like the dog. Thank you for the dog. Thank you for the cat. Actually, you could take the cat. Um, (laughs) uh, Amen. Oh. Whew, and that's like the hardest 16 seconds. That was painful just to watch. That was hard for us to do. I mean, that, that is difficult. We just, for some of us, we just don't even know really what to do when we get in that time. And you might think, hey, I, I was never diagnosed ADD, but after trying a quiet time, I think I might have it. I mean, it's, it's difficult to, 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 to pull this off because we just don't really know what to do. I think another reason that we have uh, either not incorporated or maybe just altogether abandoned the idea of some, of some solitude is um, I would say we underexpect what God wants to do in this time. We have, we, we underexpect what, what God wants to do in that we, we maybe haven't experienced or maybe just don't uh, understand the power and the reality that the God of the universe actually wants to intersect with me. As David said in the Psalms, who am I that God is mindful of me? That's the power of who our God is. He wants to bring in life-altering intersection to where you thought you were and to what he has for you, that God actually wants to make a difference in the way that you live your life that day as you get alone from other people and spend time alone with him as he shifts, literally, the way you approach your life. Um, we see this exemplified in Jesus. As we look at those verses as to when he got alone, uh, we looked at Luke chapter four where you know, he gets alone you know, long before the sun comes up and uh, people find him after the fact and they say, hey, we need you to come back to our town and you do some healings and do some things here. And he, Jesus responds essentially, no. No, I can't do that, which would have been an easy temptation for him to give into, aside from knowing from his heavenly father that he was, it said this, I must proclaim, Jesus said, the good news of the kingdom of God to 
other towns also because that is why I was sent. Jesus understood through his time with his heavenly father, who are you and what are you doing here? Jesus knew the answer to those questions because of his connection to his heavenly father in that chair time. Another setting we see in chapter six, we said on one of those nights, we saw that Jesus spent the entire night praying for God or praying to God. Um, and I don't know about you, I've done a few all-nighters with some students, you know, in the youth ministry days, and I gotta tell you, that would not really be a great program that would be effective. You know, praying all night, kids, you know, come one, come all. Uh, it's, just, it's, it's just not something that makes sense. So why does Jesus do this? Well, we see in the verses that follow chapter six that the immediate thing he does from there is he then chooses, in verse 13 and beyond, his 12 apostles, his 12 key disciples that would start this thing that we now call the church 2,000 years later that we are all a part of. Pretty big decision. And so big decisions are preceded by big prayers to his heavenly father we see in Jesus. And I see this playing out in the lives of people here just in our own church. This uh, past week, actually, I had a meeting with a guy in Life of Church on Monday who he was sharing how... Um, one of his friends had just lost a close family member. And so about 6.15 in the morning, he sends this text of Psalm 23, just as an encouragement. Uh, and then an hour later, his buddy uh, is doing his devotion time, his, his, you know, his solitude time. And for his you know, time with God, he was using a reading plan uh, out of the YouVersion Bible app, which I'll share a little bit in a, in a while. But basically, he just uses what's called the verse of the day. And the verse of the day for him that day, he said an hour later, was none other than Psalm 23. Uh, which simply says, God, you are enough. You are my shepherd. I have everything that I need. Now, some people might say, oh, man, that's crazy. That's a coincidence. That's a coincidence that he would send that text, that you know, the word, verse of the day would be that same one. And uh, you know, I, I, could, I could guess understand that, but I really appreciate the way that the 19th century uh, Bishop of Canterbury puts it. He says this when it comes to prayer and solitude. He says, when I pray, well, coincidences happen. And when I don't, they don't. And I would say this, for many of us, we, we just underexpect. We underexpect what God is up to, what God wants to do when we get alone from other people and get alone with him in these times of solitude, okay? On the flip side, I think another resistance for us is maybe the other side of that equation, that maybe we overexpect what we are to be uh, experiencing in a time of solitude. Um, I would say that in our you want it now, get it now society, whether it's food that's super fast or you know, waiting a maximum of a two-day turnaround on an Amazon Prime shipment to get from wherever we want to the front door, like we are used to and accustomed to getting things much quickly. And so I would say, maybe for some of you, it's, you know, if your quiet time, if you have this solitude time and that experience doesn't end in, you know, the clouds parting and the Holy Spirit descending like a dove and God in an audible voice saying, this is who you are and this is why you're on the planet, then for some reason, maybe it just doesn't add up. And we overexpect with our, um, you could say, expectations of what we think God needs to do in a specific time and maybe miss what God wants to do over time, over a patient development of our devotion, a, a developing of our, it's, it's a relationship. He's not a genie in a bottle. It's a relationship with God over a consistent and constant time. And then fourth, I think one last thing, we kind of added this last night as we were thinking about it. another obstacle for a lot of us, frankly, is just our environment. 
It's the circumstances we find ourselves in. You know, you might be saying, you know, this idea of getting up early in the morning before the sun like Jesus, that's great, but I tell you what, I've got three kids that could give Jesus a run for his money on just how early they can get up before I could even have a shot at this. And so whether it's that or some other instance in your life, you know, sometimes just the environment or the situations that you face that are hurdles and obstacles for you to be able to incorporate this into your life. And I get that. Um, but I also get, and I think you do too, that when it comes to what it is we want to expect, what it is that God wants us to do to define who we are and what we're up to as we get alone from others and get alone with God, that it is essential. That this chair time is something that's incredibly important as we think about it and we dwell. It's like, yes, this makes a lot of sense that my relationship with God is the most important relationship I have and that obviously is gonna take some time just like in any other relationship that I would have in my life. And so as we move into, you could say, getting practical on how this looks for you in your life and how to maybe overcome some of these obstacles and what to expect and what to do, I, I'm just gonna kind of, in a moments of transparency here, I'm gonna try to tame my enthusiasm a bit for you on this one because it's frankly very difficult for me not to you could say maybe overshare, overcommunicate, or oversell this because for me, I'm kind of like when it comes to the quiet time, I'm kind or the solitude time, I'm kind of like that friend of yours who, you know, who has seen a movie that I'm so convinced that this movie is the best movie of all movies that's ever been produced and all movies that ever be produced again. And you have to go see this movie. And if you don't go see this movie, I'll be so disappointed. And you're at the point where you know what? I don't even want to see the movie, but I just really don't want to be annoyed by you as my friend anymore. So I'm gonna go see the movie. You don't really care. And so I, I'm trying not to be that guy. I'm trying not to be that guy that is just like so excited that this is the most important thing, but I'll be honest, it's really hard for me not to share with great intensity how important I believe this single influential factor, this chair, can be in your life. Because I'll tell you for me, personal experience, in all my years of following Jesus, it has been the number one most influential, whether it comes to the highs of life, the lows of life, the other factors, even the way that I understand my role in a row or in a circle, in a community with other people, there has been no single greater factor in my developing of becoming a fully devoted follower of Jesus and being built up in him than my, frankly, following Jesus and getting up early in the morning, Mark 135 and Luke 516, withdrawing to a solitary place where I communicate with God. Nothing has been more influential. And so it's hard for me not to sell to you and share with you on that same thing. So I'll try hard not to be that guy, but I'm not too worried about it because as I look to the guy, Jesus Christ, he did it, he taught it in the midst of everything, he lived it. And so I think I'm in good company. And so hopefully we will all grow in good company with Jesus in this. So with that, to get practical on how you can incorporate in this, uh, this into your life, I've provided uh, a little um, uh, fun with fill in the blanks in your program that you received on your way into worship. And so if you could grab that, um, I'd encourage you to take notes. And if you choose not to take notes, I can see you. Um, Unless you're in the East Auditorium or Lovington, then you're off the hook, I suppose. But otherwise, I, I've, got you, I've got you here dead to right. So uh, this will help, hopefully, not just today, but in the hours that follow uh, our one hour on a Sunday morning, the other 163 hours that we have in a week to actually put this into practice in your life, okay? So the first thing that we need to do in order to implement some time alone from others and actually get some time alone with God is first place we gotta start is we've got to decide where and when. If we just leave this to chance, it's like when I get around to it, or when I feel like it, then we all know we, we just, it doesn't happen. And so you've got to decide where is your chair and when will you get alone with God in that chair. 
for me, um, it's uh, first thing in the morning. It's, uh, and it actually a setup not too different from this. It's, well, I, didn't, I lied. I didn't mean to lie. I just said it on accident. But the very first thing is coffee. First thing's coffee, not water. This is fine. I like water. The very first thing's coffee, and I have a very similar setup. I have a chair, a little table, a little lamp, and a praise band to get me started. So it's... Um, <laughs> Great way to start the day and wake you up, all right? And um, so basically the goal is this. It says this in Matthew 6, 6. Jesus says, he teaches that when you pray, he says, go into a room, close the door where you can pray, where you can be alone with your father. And, uh, and so you gotta ask, okay, where is that room? Where can I go close the door? Where can I get away and alone from other people so I can be alone with God? And so maybe for you, you do have like a little chair in a living room somewhere. Uh, maybe it's a, a kitchen table. I know a lot of people who use the kitchen table as their ware. Uh, maybe you're fortunate enough that you have the kind of time or margin that you could get to like a little coffee shop before you go off to wherever it is you gotta go that day. Um, we know, there's a number of people who utilize the Mosaic Cafe. It opens every day on the weekdays at 7 a.m. There's a bunch of people coming here and they do their, their solitude right there in uh, the Mosaic Cafe. Uh, I know one lady in the life of the church, it's the only place she can go is her own car. She goes and she parks her car, she closes the doors, and that's her place to, to spend some time uh, with God. Um, I was talking to a lady last night. We were over at Lovington. They had this, this chicken fry, this annual chicken fry, and I was talking to this uh, lady, Peggy, who uh, she grew up, her house in the 30s, no electricity, no running water. And some of you remember the days when you, know, you had huge families and small homes, and she was talking about her farmhouse and eight people living in it. And, you know, there's this uh, translation of Mark, Matthew 6 where Jesus says, uh, when you get alone, go away to your closet. And some of you remember the King James Version, your prayer closet. And I think that was probably pretty, um, I guess you could say applicable in those days where you've got a small house and lots of people that the only place that you can get away and close the door from anyone literally is like when mom and dad say, hey, I'm in the closet. You stay out of the closet because that's my alone time with God, doing whatever it takes to get alone from other people in order to be alone with God. You know, I'm looking around, I'm seeing some of our college students that are back, and it's great to have you guys back. And I mean, with roommates and all the stuff that goes on at college, you guys got to get pretty creative on how to do this. I don't know how you pull this off, but you, you got to get creative. You got to figure out, I know some guys and some people who, frankly, the only place they know they can shut the door where no one will come in is the restroom. And I know people, and it's like, that's my place. That's my, that's my cl prayer closet. That's my prayer room. Because whatever it takes. They recognize that it takes some creativity. It takes some whatever it takes us to make sure that we incorporate the importance of this chair time to get alone with God by getting alone from others. And so you got to ask and answer that question. Where is your where? Where is your chair? And then from there, when Will you spend time in your where? When will you spend time in your chair? And I've said a number of times, it honestly doesn't matter, and I, and I believe that, actually. I believe it doesn't matter if it's the morning, if it's over the lunch hour, if it's after work, if it's before bed. Um, I think all those are fine. But if you were to ask me, you know, and I were to put on my, let me tell you what I really think hat, I would still stand by that the best choice, the best time, bar none, is the very first part of your day. And, you know, I think uh, people in the health industry, they argue over whether breakfast is like the best meal of the day or if it matters and all this stuff. And they, it seems like it changes every two minutes. But 
I would be hard-pressed to be challenged that there is any case you can make against the idea of starting off your day being fed by God's word and prayer uh, than any other mode of the day. Because what makes more sense than if we're, as we start our day, as we define who are you and what are you doing here, what better time to do that than the very first thing we do in the day. And so um, that's, that's my take. And uh, if you can figure out a way to make that happen, I think it's the best. Okay? So number one, we gotta decide our where and our when. And then once you get to your where and your when, then you have to decide, okay, what and how am I gonna do this? As we said earlier, you know, one of the obstacles of this is just kind of, okay, fine, I've got the spot and I've got the place, but I'm not really sure what to do with that time. And I think for a lot of us, we tend to overcomplicate what this needs to be. We're always on the hunt for the perfect Bible study or the perfect Bible reading plan or the perfect way to pray, and we make it way too complicated. Uh, let me just tell you what I do. I'm not saying this is the way to do it. It's a way to do it. I keep it simple, and here it is, nothing earth shattering. Every day when I wake up and I get the coffee, I go, I sit, I read some Bible, and then I pray. That's it. I read some Bible, and then I pray. That's it. I use, I, I will say I use a, a Bible reading plan of some kind, so I'm not just, you know, flipping and hoping. Uh, you know, I, I get something that just kind of tells me without having to think what's my next thing, and so I'll usually use a, l- a little Bible reading plan uh, from the YouVersion Bible app, which I'll tell you how to get here in just a second. Uh, and there, there, are, there are reading plans that are anywhere from a verse of the day to six chapters a day and everything in between, so it doesn't have to be long. And then after I read, I pray. Usually my prayers are shaped by what I read in God's word. And then just something I also do every day is I I pray uh, utilizing the Lord's prayer uh, as a model prayer in Matthew 6. It's a a prayer that we pray regularly around here and I just use that as kind of a prompt to pray about lots of things. And so that's it. I read and I pray. And that can take anywhere from five minutes to 45 minutes depending on, you know, what happens that day or how it shakes out. Uh, And again, that's not the only way to do it, but it's a way to do it and hopefully maybe it'll help you get started. And so if you're looking for maybe uh, something to lead you and where to read and what to do, um, I'd strongly check out, I'd strongly encourage you to check out uh, the YouVersion Bible app. And so the easiest way to get that, just go to firstdecatur.org, click on Bible, it'll take you right there and there's reading plans and all the stuff that you can get uh, there. In fact, I'll just give you a little spoiler spoiler alert. Next week, we start a series here in the book of Genesis. Uh, It's the first book of the Bible and we're gonna have a reading plan that goes with it where we have you read about 10 chapters a week. Um, I don't know about you, but I don't ever like getting behind. I always like being ahead. And so if you just want to say, oh, I'll just start Genesis today. Read a chapter a day this week and you'll be ahead of everybody else. So there you go. Um, spoiler alert, starting Genesis, you can make that your reading plan uh, today. Okay? So once you've got your where and when and your what and how, the third uh, set of blanks there is to then, once you've kind of got this, kind of these basics, these essentials in place, practice often and ongoing. Practice this time of solitude, often and ongoing. That's what we see Jesus modeling. It says he often got away. He regularly, ongoing, consistently got into solitude, alone from people to be alone with God. Um, and we, I think we recognize the importance of often and ongoing. I mean, uh, I, don't, I don't think any of us have ever maybe thought, you know, that remember that one time I ate healthy or that one time I did that one exercise and now I expect to be physically healthy. You know, it's, it's, it's an ongoing, consistent, regular thing that leads to these kinds of things. Uh, I remember uh, joking with my dentist. He was uh, talking about how these kids will, will come in, um, you know, after six months of neglect of brushing their teeth and like five minutes before coming to the dentist, they will just like 
brush the like flesh right off their gums, just trying to make up for what they hadn't done on a consistent basis. And, um, you know, maybe adults are there too. I don't know. But uh, it's, it's one of those things that we recognize. It's the power of a little bit each day adds up to a lot of it over all the days of our life. And so keep this practice of getting in solitude often and ongoing on a regular basis. And just, I'll say this, just a quick pro tip when it comes to the ongoing side of this thing is I know for a lot of you, and maybe you're like me and you're kind of a scorekeeper, and so if you've got this Bible reading plan and you miss a day or miss a couple days, you feel compulsively committed to having to make up those days. And so all of a sudden, uh, instead of having a relationship with God, all of a sudden it turns into like a scorecard with God. Can you relate to that a little bit? Um, so just here's my pro tip. I've learned, I finally learned it the hard way. I rarely, I want to say never, but I rarely let myself make up missed days. In that if I miss a day or two or three and I've got this reading plan, I just pick up where I left off and keep that same rhythm going. Because again, it's not about getting through it. It's not about a checklist. It's not about a scorecard. It's about encouraging a relationship with God by getting alone with God as you get alone from others. And so, oh, and a neat thing on that little Bible app, if you use that, there's a little button on there that says, catch me up. And so whether you miss a day or 60 days, you just hit that catch me up button, and all of a sudden today goes all the way back, and it catches you right up, and it's like you never missed a day. It's like grace, you know, like that Jesus talks about, like for yourself. It's great. I would definitely recommend the catch me up button, okay? So that's the key. Often and ongoing, and if you miss a day, don't beat yourself up. Pick up where you left off, because that's what, that's what ongoing means. It doesn't mean you don't ever miss a day. It means what do you do when you miss a day, or three or four or five days? What do you do? It's all about picking up where you left off and pressing on in your relationship with God, okay? So key practice is doing this often and ongoing. And then lastly, in this time, expect perspective and purpose. You can expect perspective and purpose. And we looked at, you know, one of the resistance sometimes or the reasons we've abandoned the solitude time is we can maybe under-expect or over-expect what we are going to experience, but don't miss the power of what God wants to do through the often and ongoing continuing relationship with him to give you perspective and purpose as he leads you in the direction of all the days of your life to ask and answer that question, who am I and what am I doing here? One of the ways in which we tried to incorporate this into our own family life was over the summer, realizing that our kids didn't have to get up for school every day, that we wanted kind of a morning routine that we were trying to incorporate. And so we encouraged our kids to have, find some sort of reading plan or devotion thing that they were doing. And our oldest daughter, she picked out one out of the, the Version Bible app uh, called, um, I can't remember what it was called, uh, C.S. Lewis and Joy. And it was basically uh, the, some intersections between the writings of C.S. Lewis and Scripture. And um, just to kind of support her and encourage her, I was reading the plan with her. And on day three, uh, it said this. And I thought it was perfect for what we're looking at uh, today. Really, the whole Bible study does a, a good job just making the case for spending a time alone with God. Uh, but the author puts it this way. It says, As I spend time alone with God, the physical world feels less like ultimate, that key word there, ultimate reality. It says, I have this strange sensation of living inside a cardboard box that has been painted to look like a castle, the kind a child would build with great relish, while all the time my little cardboard box is sitting inside the great hall of a real castle. It is in solitude. In solitude, there is a distinct sense of something larger and permanent 
peeking through the cracks of this physical world. When we get alone with God, by getting alone and separating ourselves appropriately for just a period of time each day, and I would encourage each morning, it's our opportunity to peek past the immediate, the physical, the what's latest and loudest and has our attention in these, you could say, this temporary world, this temporary home, this ultimately will be a cardboard box in comparison to God's kingdom come, his will be done as it is in heaven. We ask his perfect ways in heaven to be ushered into, to be invited into uh, our ways here on earth through a little bit of time alone with God as we get alone from others for perspective and purpose for why and really the answer to the questions, who are you and what are you doing here? And the answer is that we might become more devoted followers of him being built up in him, as it says in Colossians 2, 6. That's why we're here. And uh, let me pray for us as uh, we all embark on doing more of that in each of our lives. Heavenly Father, we are thankful that you are a God who is um, not far off, but the kind of God who uh, chooses. Uh, it's, it's beyond us that the creator of the universe chooses 24-7 to be uh, awaiting to hear from us your, your children, those you created in your image, um, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, Father, we ask that by the prompting of your Holy Spirit, you would help us to take what we heard uh, in a few minutes on a Sunday morning and implement this uh, to all the days of our life. And so God, help us discover our where and our when and our what and our how and the uh, realities of what we can get in our perspective and purpose as you often ongoing, encourage us by the prompting of your Holy Spirit each and every day um, through this sacred time in a chair, wherever that chair may be, uh, with you. We're thankful for a relationship with you made possible through Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.